Hi, and welcome to my podcast, The Only Girl on the Job Site. I'm glad you found me. I'm Renee Beery, and I love empowering women to take on home projects, both large and small. I have been the only girl on the job site for the past 27 years, and I have seen it all. The good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between. With my help, I hope you will be able to avoid the mistakes I've seen in the past and go into your project confident and knowledgeable about the industry so that your project is as smooth and successful as possible. Hi, welcome back to the podcast. I'm glad you're here. In last week's episode, we discussed everything you need to know about budgets, and in particular, a term called allowances that contractors will use in order to keep all items needed for the project in the estimate, but these are also items that he doesn't know exactly what you will choose. So for instance, a toilet, he will just use a generic pricing based on a formula for a toilet. And that may or may not cover the toilet that you end up choosing and how to be very, very careful of these situations because they can add up very quickly over the length of a project. So if you didn't catch that episode, I really recommend you going back and listening to episode 19 to fully understand the budgeting process. So in today's episode, we're going to go to the next step, and that is actually managing your project. And I would say there's probably three different types of projects, if I'm you know generically categorizing them. And the first is a small enough project where you've hired a general contractor and he may have one or two guys with him. One might be someone with a skill set and one may be just a helper, one who sort of helps with demo, hauling things out, that kind of stuff. And and the the second level would be considered a a mid-level contracting company. And that might look like you meet with the owner of the company, but he might have two or three supervisors. And they're the ones that are actually going to be in your house managing the project day by day. And by managing, I mean, they're going to be organizing the schedule. They're going to be lining up the subcontractors, whether that's some of the ones you're bringing to the project, say you have your own electrician or plumber that you really trust and knows your home, or whether that means they're bringing all of the subcontractors to the project. And that would be sort of a mid-size renovation, but probably not a new construction home, right, from the ground up. Because that would be the last category. That's say you're doing an entire home. You've just bought land and you're building a home. Or you're putting on a massive addition and also renovating other areas inside the home. You know, it's something that would require a much larger team to get it accomplished in any reasonable length of time. And that would look like, again, you would meet with the owner of the company who quite frankly, you may only see once or twice during the duration of your project. But then they would have more supervisors. They might have five, six, seven, depending on where you are, they could have more. Some of these companies are huge. And then within that, there's going to be their own teams. Now, a lot of them will use the same electrical company, but they'll use a much larger electrical company that have also teams in it. So you can see there's a pretty big 
there's a pretty big spread as far as quote, home renovation or home construction. And, and a lot of that, obviously, I, I don't know what you who are listening to this episode are working on. But, you know, think in your head, like, okay, if you're, well, obviously, if you're currently in a project, you know the size of your team. If you are just in the planning stages, you know, start thinking, like, where do you think you might fall? Now, I caution people, there is kind of a gray area between the midsize and the really large construction companies. And the reason I caution is to be very careful that you find your sweet spot. Often I see people hiring the really big companies for jobs that could be managed by a mid-level. And, you know, you're probably sitting there thinking, well, what's the difference? Usually it's cost. You know, a mid-level company is going to have lower overhead. They're going to be a little bit more hands-on. They're not going to be running 20 projects uh, company-wide. They're going to know more about your individual project as the months go by. And, you know, does that really matter? Not necessarily, but the cost, of course, does. So I do have people that run into that. They think, gosh, I really overspent. And when they break it all down, yeah, they did. Now they got the product that they wanted, and that's the important part. But just make sure that you are finding that sweet spot for your size project. And of course, that's achieved through research. You know, I'm going to say research at some point during every episode, and I often say it more than once. So mark the counter on this episode. Renee just said research. The other is you've got to keep in mind that no matter who you hire, you are still managing. And I know some of you are thinking, well, I'm paying a supervisor to manage the project. Why on earth am I playing a role in it? That's a good question, right? Because it makes sense. You are actually paying someone to manage your project. And of course, they are managing your project. They're managing the schedule. They're managing the budgets that were preset in the estimates that you were presented and approved. Again, go back to the last episode and listen to how those budgets are created and therefore approved by you. But that's what they're managing. They're managing, okay, we are going to have demo and it's going to go for two weeks. Within that demo, you know, I can start roughing in some electric. So my electrician, he might start in on day 10. And then, okay, we're going to move into the plumbing. Plumber, yep, he can start working on day 14 because the electrician's going to finish up on day 17 and on and on and on. And he literally is doing it by the day, week by week, until the project is completed. And that is a critical role. So for those of you taking on a smaller project where it is that one guy and possibly one or two on his team, depending on that contractor, you may be the one that is actually managing that schedule. Every contractor is different, especially on that level. So they may be an incredibly skilled contractor, but... Perhaps they're not good and skilled and comfortable managing the team. That's something you are going to have to determine in the discovery phase before you hire the guy so that you have the expectations of, okay, this guy's work is amazing. I have seen it. I trust him. His numbers are right. I think this is a good fit, but I'm going to be the one that's going to be calling the electrician and getting him on board for you know day 17 of the project. Now, the contractor will tell you, hey, you know, I'm going to be needing 14 days for a demo, call the electrician and sign him up for, you know, day 15. And let's say the plumber comes in on day 19. But that may fall under your 
responsibilities. So are you prepared for that? Do you have time for that? Do you know really what that means? So the second level, so this mid-level, they will be managing that. They will be creating that schedule. However, if you've brought in your own guy, say your own electrician, some of these contracting companies, they want you to then manage them. I don't necessarily find that fair. And I will say more and more, I don't see that happening. But there are some guys who kind of get their knickers in a twist because you're bringing in an outside professional that they're not familiar with. And why does that matter? Well, two things. One, if it's important to you, you absolutely should do it. And where I live, there's a lot of very old homes with very old electrical and plumbing systems. And so often I'll have a client that say, my guy has worked in my house for 15 years. He knows everything about it. He knows where everything is. Well, that value is priceless. And often the contractors see that value. It will help them move the ball down the field faster, right? So they not necessarily embrace it, but they're fine with it. There are other guys who are like, nope, I don't know him. If I call him, I don't know if he'll show up the next day. If there's an issue, I don't know if he'll drop everything from me. I have no relationship with him. Therefore, I have no, hey, I'll owe you one on this job, but you know, I'll, get, I'll catch up on the next job and, and do you a favor. So understandably, there's always some resistance when you're bringing in your own person. Okay, so then you have the really big companies. And often, if you are bringing in that large of a construction company for that large of a project, you have other professionals on your team. And more often than not, it's an architect. So then there's drawings involved. And so that construction company is going to go off the drawings, meaning it goes far beyond just the walls and the staircases and the windows that they see. It goes to, okay, this Reflected ceiling plan shows six recessed lights in these locations. Okay, I'm going to rough in all my electric for that. Okay, I see where they're putting the switches. I see where the electrical outlets are. Boom, boom, boom. I'm going to proceed exactly as the drawings are showing. Now, that may or may not be what you actually want. And what I find more often than not is clients will have spent months looking over these plans, going back and forth, and they're often tweaking the size of the room or where a closet is or how big a bathroom is. They're not really focusing on the swing of the door. Is it going left? Is it going right? They're not focusing on where the light switches are. Are they everywhere you want to be? So for instance, if you're walking through your kitchen into your family room, is the light switch as you enter the kitchen? Well, what if you go into the family room and want to turn off the lights in the kitchen behind you? You've got to cross back through the kitchen in order to turn off the lights. It's these tiny little things that don't seem to be a big deal until you're done and living in the house. You think, well, that was a bonehead decision. Why on earth would the architect put it all the way at the other end of the room knowing full well I'm going to spend time in the family room? Well, the architect did that because it met code. And because you didn't say anything. And so there are some architects better than others at switching plans or how lights are turned on and off. And some of them don't focus on that. Again, that's where your job, your part of the management piece has to come in. 
So let's break it down. Regardless of the size of the project, regardless of the size of the company you've hired, you will also have to manage the selections. So what does that mean? If you're sitting there going, well, Renee, I'm redoing my living room, my dining room, and my front hall. I'm not doing a bathroom. I don't need to go out to a plumbing supply house. I don't need to you know, go pick out appliances like I'm if I was doing a kitchen. Well, that's all true. But let's break it down. What's in a living room? You have floors. You have base molding. You have walls. You have crown molding. You have ceilings. You have lights. You have electrical. All of that falls to you, right? So let's say the floors. Are you refinishing the floors? Great. Do you know what color you're going to refinish them? Do you know what sheen of the polyurethane you want on top of it? Okay, you now have a base molding. Are you keeping the existing base molding? Are you making it taller? Are you going to use a quarter round or are you going to use a shoe molding? Are you going to paint that quarter round to match the base molding or are you going to stain it to match the floors? Okay, you have walls now. What color are you going to paint them? What finish will you be using for that paint? Now you have the ceiling where it meets the wall. And I say that because not everybody has crown molding. Are you going to add crown molding? If you have it, are you going to paint it the wall color or the trim color? Now you have a ceiling. What are you going to do with that? Are you going to paint it white or are you going to use an accent color? Are you going to paint it in flat paint or are you going to put a sheen on it? Then you have lighting. Do you have existing ceiling lighting? If you do, are you keeping it? Is it dated? Do you need to upgrade it? Do you need to add it? Then, of course, you get further into the electrical. You need outlets. Do you need a floor outlet? Do you plan on floating your furniture and therefore no lighting can be there unless you have the cords running along the floor and or under carpeting, which is a tripping hazard? Can you get access underneath the floor? What's under there? Is it crawl space? Great. Is it slab? No go. You know, these are kinds of things are all going to fall under you. And I purposely detailed them out. We didn't even get into the windows and the switching plan, the staircase, the various components involved in that, whether you stain them or paint them or combination, all of that falls to you. Now you're going to say, well, I'm spending a lot of money on this humongous construction company, and I'm expecting them to help me make all of these decisions, or I'm expecting the painter to make recommendations. Well, sure, and that's fine. But guess what? That's all it is. It's just a recommendation. And what a painter uses in his home or what he sees other clients use may or may not be what you want to use. And the contractor, again, it's a just his opinion. And it may be based on nothing that has to do with you. I'm also on a lot of projects where the contractor says, whoa, 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 that's not my expertise. You didn't hire me for an opinion. You hired me to do the work. You hired me to take your vision and make it come to life. So, and quite frankly, I don't blame those guys. They don't want to, in the end, have the client go, well, you told me I should use the shoe molding, but I don't I like it. I really wish I'd gone with a quarter round. Why didn't you tell me that? Right? The guy's going, you're right. I shouldn't have told you. It's not my job. So then you're saying to yourself, well, then who, who's going to help me? Well, you might get lucky 
there are some contractors out there who really do thoroughly enjoy it. I actually have a, a friend who is a contractor locally. And his mother was a designer when we were kids growing up. And uh, he's he loves it. He spent a lot of time with his mom. He actually finds it a, a mental relief from the construction work. So he will actually dig in and give some really solid advice. But he is completely in the minority. And I joke with him that my son is probably going to be a lot like him if he goes into the construction business, because my son does sort of pal around or listen to what I'm doing or look in on my projects. And he's so he's learning along the way. But I can assure you, this contractor is a unicorn in his industry. And the other guys who are asked typically say, no, thank you. So I want you to know that just because you hire a team, whether it's a middle-sized company or a large-sized company, doesn't mean you can just sort of sit back and wait till the finished product is delivered to you. You are really going to be involved every step of the way. Now, and, and quite frankly, most of your involvement will be before the work starts so that you can be doing all of the research, making all of the decisions prior to when they need them. Because if you wait until they need a decision made to start your research, depending on who you are and how your process is, you could hold a job up for a couple of days to a couple of weeks. And then it's on you when the team sort of comes to a stop and you're wondering why the project isn't moving forward. And they say, well, we can't go on to the next steps until you make the decision. Or God forbid, you made the decision in a day, but whatever it was takes three weeks to get. And in this environment, when you're listening now, I can assure you three weeks is almost no lead time. Everything I'm told is six, seven, eight, 10, 12, 15 weeks. So can you imagine if you were behind on your to-do list and you finally play catch up and you're told something's 10 weeks? Now, you obviously would have a choice. You wait it out and the team, depending on the size, could possibly work on some other area. It's a smaller size. It comes to a screeching halt or you compromise your decision and find something that's a shorter lead time. Neither one of those is something you want to do after waiting and saving and spending all of this money. So really, the key to the success of your project is you, your management skills, your ability to select all of the items in every room that you are working on in advance of when they need it. Now, a contractor, even a small guy will say, hey, listen, I need all of these decisions made in week whatever, week one, possibly, week three for this, week five for that. And I would, if you know, someone told me week one, week three, and week five, I would turn to the client, I'd say, before the job starts, week one and week three to give yourself that buffer zone because you won't know which areas will hang you up the most. You won't know that you're going to twist in the wind making decisions on crown molding until you start looking at crown molding. And you may be laughing, thinking, ah, it's crown molding, Renee. Why on earth would I get hung up on that? You would be amazed at how many clients of mine have stressed over crown molding. We've made samples. We've actually installed the samples. Is it a three-piece? Is it a one-piece? Is it a five-piece? And yes, we have done a five-piece crown molding sample, which almost got selected. But then the four-piece 
crown molding that we installed next to it, you know, 12 inch samples actually was the winner. But this process took about two and a half weeks from designing it to creating the sample, to installing it, to quote, sleeping on it, to making the final decision. So you would be stunned if you hung out with me for a couple of months to see how long decisions actually take. And again, I know you've heard me talking about these channels, the HGTVs of the world, and they show, you know, in a commercial break, all the decisions are made. That doesn't happen. And, you know, there are times where I actually look at those shows and I try to look at the landscaping outside. I try to look at the trees to see how much time has passed from one commercial break to another. And I challenge you to do the same. You'll be surprised. You know, they'll show a flowering tree or a tree outside the front that's sort of budding up. And then, you know, two commercial breaks later, and they claim it's about a week and the tree is already bloomed and, and basically about to drop its bloom. So you're thinking, yeah, that's a hell of a week. You know, that, that tree sure did bloom really fast. So they're, they're obviously pulling some Hollywood tricks and that's fine, but you need to know that those are Hollywood tricks. And in the real world, you won't know how long it will take you to make these decisions. But if it were me, I would count on far more than you think. And so great. If you make a decision instantly, you walk in to a showroom, you see something, you love it, boom, done. Great. Consider that the win and not the norm. So to summarize, it doesn't really matter what size your team is. And I think people really get hung up on that. They think the bigger the team, the less work it will be for the homeowner. And it just simply doesn't play out that way. It might alleviate the actual managing and scheduling of the project, the physical work, but it doesn't change anything from a small company to the largest company on your responsibility for making the selections. And like I said, there are a few unicorns in the industry that will help you, guide you, hold your hand, give you some really good recommendations, but that's all they are. They're just recommendations. The final decision based on your research is up to you. And meeting those deadlines, hell, I'd say come in far in advance of those deadlines is again up to you. So if you're saying to yourself, okay, they told me four months for this renovation and addition, I don't want to go to four and a half months. I'm just barely going to make it mentally through four months of this. Well, then it's on you. Now, of course, things can go wrong. We've always discussed there's going to be surprises or someone gets sick or hell, there was a pandemic, as we all know, and that did add some time to things. But don't be the problem in the situation. Don't you be the one holding up the project by dragging your feet or by ignoring that there are deadlines looming or by thinking, eh, this won't take that much time. Don't be naive. You're listening to me now for a reason. You know I know what I'm talking about. So listen to me when I say build in more time than the contractor says, build in more time than you think will be possible for you to make decisions. And trust me, only you know how quickly you make decisions. And, and then come in at the win and come in and just really pat yourself on the back. And that's after all the decisions are made. That is when you can relax, especially if you have one of these bigger teams. And all you would have to do at that point is to react to situations that come up that were unexpected or unforeseen, which will happen. But take this as your fair warning. 
that the projects that I get involved with midstream or towards the end that are in sort of a crisis situation were caused almost exclusively by the homeowner not understanding their role in the project. And they really, truly thought that a lot of this was going to be sort of hand fed to them. And it just isn't. That's just not the role of the contractor. And lastly, if you have an architect on board, it's typically not the role of the architect. Now, there are far more unicorns in that field than there are in the construction field. So you will get some architects who weigh in and give you some some solid recommendations. But again, that's all they are. It's recommendations on things that they personally like or that they've used in the past or that they've seen, you know, the latest and greatest of, but that's all it is. They will not take the responsibility in the end of, you know, you not liking something because they'll say it was just a recommendation. You know, how am I supposed to know what you're going to end up loving in the end? So take it from me as someone who does this day in and day out, your responsibilities start before a project gets underway and stays consistent until all selections are made. And then after that, your role becomes reacting to situations that come up that are unforeseen or surprises. So there is so much information on my website. We go into, there's a construction workbook. There's pro paint tips. These are all, again, recommendations, areas where you can start your research now and get a feel for what you like, narrowing down decisions. And ultimately, my online course, Only Girl on the Job Site, is a go-at-your-own-pace tutorial with over 20 lessons that really hold your hand through how to make these decisions, which decisions you should be making, things you should be keeping an eye out for, areas that trip people up, experts that you should be looking for to guide you in your decisions. It really distills everything I do for my clients that you can now learn on your own time. I really can't recommend it enough. It just simply demystifies the entire process. It takes what I discuss in these episodes, makes it yours to go back and listen to. It takes you in a logical format that anyone can understand. And I created it intentionally universal so that whether you're in California or Texas or Canada or France, it can apply to any project. So I encourage you, if you're starting out on a renovation project, or hell, if you're halfway through and things aren't going well, I really encourage you to go on my website, check out this course, get on a call with me. We'll figure out if it's the best fit for you so that your project can end as successfully as possible. So thanks again for listening. I hope you got a lot of information out of this. And just know that knowledge is power. And that is my goal. Give you as much knowledge as I possibly can so that you can feel confident to run your own renovation project like a pro. Thanks again for listening. And I look forward to our next time together. Thank you so much for listening. Feel free to reach out to me. You can email me or direct message me through social media, and we can start a conversation about what it is you're going through right now. That will also help me come up with other ideas for future podcasts that I can share with everyone, as I assure you, we're all in the same boat together. 
I would really appreciate it if you would subscribe to my podcast and leave me a review. If you would like to find out more about me and what I can do, please go to my website, www.devignedesign.com. Thanks for listening, and I hope to hear from you soon.